Each Christmas, it's easy for us to sometimes be caught in a continuum, right? Somewhere on the continuum. Between Scrooge, Bah Humbug, and Tiny Tim's, God bless us everyone. So look at the screen. Uh, where would you place yourself on that continuum? Where would you be? And if you don't know where you are, turn to somebody who's with you, who knows you, and ask them where you are, all right? Where are you on that continuum? <laughs> I just want to say, if Christ's coming to us at Christmas time is not the best news that you've ever heard in your life, then you can be sure that you've actually misunderstood what Christmas is all about. So what is the great news here at Christmas time? Well, it's about somebody who has come to rescue us from our sin. He's come to rescue us from our fear, and he's come to rescue us manipulate things. God sent his son. So baby Jesus came into this world to solve grown-up problems. So here's our focus for today. It's a simple prayer. It's Jesus be greater in me. Jesus be greater in me. Would you say it with me? Jesus be greater in me. Now, today's service is going to be a little different. Uh, I'm going to talk a little, and then the team's going to come out. We're going to sing a little, and then we'll go back and forth, back and forth. So I want to ask you today's service, just stay seated, but don't disengage. You know, you can sit up, you can lean forward, and the most important thing is you can actually seek God during this service. Now, we're going to be reading a story in the Bible called the Annunciation. And this is the account of the angel who came to Mary to announce the birth of Christ. Now, we know that simply understanding the story is not enough. So today, I want you to think not only what does the story mean, but what does the story mean to me? What is God promising me, and what is God asking of me? Last week... Uh, some of the members of our creative team on staff process the truths that we're going to be talking about today. And in that meeting, we sought to make application of today's message to our own lives before we delivered it to you. And in that meeting, it suddenly dawned on me, I'm the guy who needs this message the most. Because my fears about something in the future caused me to want to control the narrative of my life which led me then to commit the sins of passivity and procrastination. All because in this one area of my life, I had not let Jesus be big enough for me. Fear, control, and sin. It's all connected in a big, ugly mess. They feed off each other. And I doubt that I'm the only one in this room who struggles with those things. We all struggle, right? So we want to make this story that we're going to go through today very, very personal. Jesus is somebody who brings joy to the world. We're going to watch on the screen here a story called The Christmas Scale that was produced by Igniter Media. And then that story is followed by a brand new arrangement of the Hymn, the song, the carol, Joy to the World. And it was first released, this edition, this arrangement was first released at this year's Christmas in America program. It features a, a chorale and a children's choir from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, 
And uh, our son, Alan, is the one who produced uh, the, the video that accompanies the music. Joy to the World celebrates the one who was sent on a rescue mission to save us from our sin and our fear and our desire to control everything. Because the world is engulfed in sorrow, and he came to bring joy to the world. But the only way that that rescue is really going to happen is if Jesus becomes increasingly greater and greater and greater in our lives. So how great should he be to us? Well, the angel told Mary how great he would be. Remember our prayer that we started with? Jesus be greater in me. Jesus be greater in me. It's actually found in this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this could be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, 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 and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Christmas is a rescue mission. The world, because of the fall, was a broken place and nothing not government, not education, not business, not religion, could fix what was broken. So an angel has come to Mary in the fullness of time to begin a process to reverse the curse, to turn mourning to gladness, sorrow to joy. And what we have here in this announcement is a hinge point of history. Now make no mistake about it, none of us can be asked to join this story like Mary was asked to join the story, but God is inviting us into this story. We can play our part in the story where the author and the hero of the story is Jesus. Now in verse 31, notice what the angel says to Mary, and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. I mean that's a special name for us, right? So, religious name for us, right? But back in the day, it was just a common name like Jackson or James or John. I mean, when Mary and Joseph called their baby boy Jesus, there were no prayers being prayed in his name. There were no songs being sung about his name. And, and people didn't use his name as a curse word. Kevin DeYoung tells us, Jesus was named Jesus by design. In Greek, it's Iesus. And in Aramaic, which is the language Jesus spoke, it's Yesu. And both of these are derived from the Hebrew in which the name is Yeshua or Joshua. Now, Yeshua, Joshua, made up of two parts. Yah, which is short for Yahweh, which means the Lord. And Hoshia, which means salvation. 
So Mary is supposed to give her little baby the name Jesus, and it literally means the Lord saves. An angel came to Mary's fiance, Joseph, and told him, you shall call him Jesus. Why? Why call him Jesus? Answer, for he shall save his people from their sins. So today I want you to think back to your worst days. Think back to your worst habit. The words you wish you could take back. Your most violent outburst. The times you lied. Your drunkenness. Your cheating. Your bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. Your lust, your pride, your greed. Think about your apathy, your adultery, your addictions. Your dark secrets. What are you most ashamed of? You need to know Jesus came to this earth for you. And his name means the Lord saves. He saves us from our sins. Those attitudes, those actions, those words, those deeds that we're most ashamed of. And we, and we should be ashamed because our sin is not a trifling thing. The Bible says that God is holy. And the Bible says God hates sin. Why? Is he just mean and capricious? No. He hates our sin because our sin hurts people. It hurts the people he loves. Sin hurts us and it hurts the people around us. That's why God hates it. And the Bible says that God must pour out his wrath against sin. It's that offensive. But because of his great love for us, he sent Jesus, the Savior. When someone goes on a rescue mission, they go with the knowledge that they might have to sacrifice themselves to save others. Well, on the cross, Jesus took the wrath of God so that we would not have to. He came to die in your place to pay the punishment for your sins. And you know what this means? You don't have to beat yourself up anymore. You don't have to live with guilt anymore. You can live free. You can live new. His name is Jesus. The Lord saves Pastor Tim Keller says this, the gospel is not that Jesus Christ comes to earth, tells us how to live, we live a good life, and then God owes us a blessing. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to earth, lived the life we should have lived, and died the death we should have died, so that when we believe in him, we are accepted, and we can live a life of grateful joy. When Jesus is my Savior, I can let go of my sin. What a beautiful name is a song by Brooke Ligert Wood and Ben Fielding. It refers to the promise of salvation through Jesus. It was composed just a few years ago in 2015 in Sydney, Australia for an annual church gathering. And about her song, Ligert Wood said this, the beauty of singing something about the wonder and the power of Jesus is freeing. It breaks chains. Because we're singing about Jesus, the Lord saves. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. Saves from what? He saves us from our sins. And the song says, my sin was great, but your love was greater. So when Jesus is my Savior, I can let go of my sins.
And then the angel says to Mary in verse 31, he will be called son of the most high, son of the most high. God has revealed himself to us as triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Father is God, the Spirit is God, and the Son, Jesus, is God. So what we are celebrating is what we call the incarnation. That is a word that actually comes from the Latin. In means in. <laughs> and carnis, the root word for carnation, means flesh. So literally what incarnation means is in the flesh. God has come in the flesh. Now this is a big deal. People sometimes say, all religions are just basically the same. No, no. Among other things, the incarnation makes Christianity utterly unique. Buddhists and Hindus believe that God is imminent, that God is close in everything. And therefore, God becoming man, not necessary. He's already close. And religions like Islam and Judaism say that God is transcendent, that God is above and beyond everything. He's out there somewhere. So for them, God becoming man is like an impossible thing. But the message of Christmas, God becoming man, reminds us Christianity is utterly unique among world religions. Because for us, incarnation is not only possible, it's necessary. When the angel says he will be called the Son of the Most High, he's saying he will be called God. Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And you know what this means? We don't have to be afraid. Over and over again in Scripture, here's what you see. The presence of God helps people not be afraid. The circumstances around you might be fearful, but the God who is with you is greater than the problems around you. So the Bible says in Deuteronomy 31, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. Why? For the Lord your God goes with you. The presence of God drives out fear. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 118, The Lord is with me. So, well, I will not be afraid. Because what can man do to me? Isaiah 41, do not fear. Why? For I am with you, says God. And so we can pray the prayer in Psalm 23. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. One of the reasons some of us are just frozen by fear is because we've forgotten that God is with us. Through Jesus. So I want you to think today, what makes you afraid? I want you to just literally brainstorm with me and let's make a list. We're going to make a list, okay? So shout it out. What makes you afraid? I, I'm, I'm hearing something, but I'm not loud enough. So shout it out. Death, okay? I think we got that in stereo. Death. Not seeing my children grow up. Wow. Pain and not knowing. What's good? What's that? I'm afraid of falling. I fell last Christmas Eve Eve in my driveway and I broke my wrist. So I'm afraid of falling too. 
What else? What else are you afraid of? What's that? Disability. Disability. Yeah. What else? Being sick. Afraid of being sick. Failure. Failure. Wow. <laughs> Me too, sister. Me too. Getting old. Yes. What's that? I heard a little... Wow, that's some wisdom there. I'm afraid of falling away from God. Now, we could make a big, long list, okay? We're going to stop right there. Um, you, you guys have more faith than the last crew because the last two crews were afraid of finances, losing finances. You guys, you must have it all together, right? You know? <laughs> I mean, there's so many things. I'm afraid I'm not going to find the right job. I'm afraid I'm going to not have the right friends or the right spouse. What's something on this list or something else that gives you fear? Pick one of those things. Maybe God brought you here today to remind you. Jesus has come. And He is God. And in Jesus, God is with you. So if disability comes, or when old age comes, or if you fall, it didn't surprise Him. He's there. He can be trusted to... Handle the things on that list. Essentially, the angel is saying to Mary, your baby is God, the Son. The infinite becomes an infinite. Transcendent God takes on humble humanity. The Word becomes flesh, and God promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's why when Jesus is my God, I can let go of my fear. One Christmas song that highlights the fact that Jesus is God is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was written by Charles Wesley. It was first published in 1739. He and his brother John were founders of the Methodist Church. Charles wrote over 6,000 hymns. And John, the brother, said about Charles' hymnal, it's the best theological book in existence. Well, one Christmas day, Charles was inspired by the sounds of the London church bells while he was walking to church on that Christmas morning. And that's when he wrote this Hark poem. And in the song, there's a line, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. It means look and see God hidden in human flesh. And then we sing, Hail the incarnate deity. Jesus is God in the flesh. And then we sing, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The song is all about Jesus being God with us, and therefore we need not fear. And when the King of Heaven comes, it's God who's coming. And therefore, we can let go of our fear. When Jesus is my Savior, I let go of my sin. When Jesus is my God, I let go of my fear. How are you doing with that? The angel says to Mary in verse 32, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary is a little peasant teenager. But she is being told here that she is giving birth to a king. Now, David, who's referenced here, is the greatest king in the history of Israel. 
But Jesus is going to be greater still. And the house of Jacob here is a reference to the Jewish people, so Jesus is going to be king of the Jews. But there's more. We know the rest of the story. He's going to be the king of kings. And Jesus longs to be your king and mine. See, when you make Jesus king, it means you don't have to be in charge. It means you don't have to control everything. It means you can let go. You can relax. Because the king can be trusted to handle whatever it is that you are trying to control or manage. So, what is it you're trying to control? What life circumstances are you seeking to manage? And it's causing unhealthy stress for you. And maybe causing unhealthy stress for the people around you. Is it your finances? Is it your kids? Is it your work? I mean, what relationship, perhaps, are you working to manipulate and it's creating an uncomfortable tension in your life right now? See, if you truly make Jesus your king, you can let go of your grip. You won't have to control or manipulate anything or anyone anymore. Why? Because if he's your king, you know he's got it all under control. When Jesus is my king, I can let go of my grip. In 1865, William Chatterton Dix wrote, What child is this? He spent most of his life as a businessman, working as a manager of an insurance company in Glasgow, Scotland. He was afflicted by an unexpected illness that resulted in him being bedridden and suffering from severe depression. His near-death experience brought about a spiritual renewal in his life. And while he was recovering, he read the Bible from cover to cover, and he was inspired to write songs of praise to God. And one of the songs he wrote at that time was, What Child Is This? The carol was set to the tune, Green Sleeves, a traditional English song. So the question is asked in the song, What Child Is This? And the song answers it. It's Christ the King. And the song ends with a plea that we would all enthrone him in our hearts. Let loving hearts enthrone him. When Jesus is my Savior, I can let go of my sin. When he's my God, I can let go of my fear. And when he's my King, I can let go of my grip. Now, in this story, Mary, an unwed mother, had a decision to make. Am I going to control my own life and destiny? Am I going to be be frustrated with God's plan for my life? Because I'll be falsely accused and misunderstood and maybe judged because I'm pregnant before I'm married? And here's her response in verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Her dilemma is different than our dilemma, but there are some similarities. I mean, will we say to God, let it be to me? Will we be servants? Will we enthrone Him in our hearts? Make Him king of our lives? In every area, even if it means being uncomfortable or inconvenienced or misunderstood or judged.
Will we say, let it be to me according to your word? So in what area of your life, in what place in your heart have you not enthroned Jesus as your king? Where and how is he not king for you? When, I, when Jesus is my king, I can let go of my grip. Now, if you're paying close attention, you might have noticed that we missed a concept, we missed a phrase, we missed a statement in this passage, and it's in the first part of verse 32, and it reads this way, He will be called great. The Greek word here is megas. He's a mega savior, he's a mega god, he's a mega king. He is great in his importance. He is great in his height and depth and width and breadth. He is great in his wisdom and knowledge. He is great in his ability, his virtue, his authority. He is great in his splendor and majesty. He is the greatest of the great. So the question for us today is simple. How great is he in our eyes? Are we allowing him to be great? in us, and for us. Let me give you three quick truths related to His greatness. One, when Jesus grows greater and greater in my eyes as my Savior, I will sin less. And when He grows greater and greater in my eyes as my God, I will fear less. And when He grows greater and greater in my eyes as my King... I will grip less. So I want to ask you, which of those three do you need most right now in your life? Look at that list. Pick one. Just one. Where you need to grow the most. Make it personal. You got it? Now that you've picked your one, what's one thing in that one area that you need to do in order to grow in that area. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Come up with an I will statement. I will. Make a commitment to God. What's something you will commit to do? I will. Now for me, when we had that discussion about this passage and this service as a staff, I said, there's something that I fear. And because of my fear, I've been procrastinating. So, here's my I will statement. I will make a phone call to someone who can help me face what I fear. And on Friday, I made the call. And I do believe I'm on the front end of a good journey. What's your I will statement? So, we, we don't want this to just be theory, right? We want to make application. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's risky. Huddle up. Huddle up in groups of two or three or four. And we're going to give you just a few seconds to share that one area you need to grow in the most and then to share your I will statement. All right, you ready for this? Ready, set, go.
Oh, you got 15 seconds. Okay, thank you very much. I know some of you were going, I don't know if I like that guy, but he asked us to talk now. I know I don't like that guy. <laughs> hey, basically, I'm an introvert, okay? Believe it or not, that's who I am. So when I come to a service like this and the pastor asks me to do something like this, I hate it. <laughs> but it's good for our souls Amen. to wrestle with what God wants us to do. So I want you to shout out, just two or three of you, what was your I will statement? Somebody shout it out. Pray more. I will pray more. That's a good one. Be more grateful. I will be more grateful. I will trust Him. I will demonstrate courageous faith. <laughs> I will be less judgmental. And the people around you said... Amen. And hey, we could go a long time, but folks, take your I will statement home. Write it down. Live it out. The artist Nicole Nordman wrote the song, Be Born in Me. And in an interview about the song, she said, in the song, we're singing along with Mary, who's a scared teenager, trembling in the presence of an angel, yet understanding the significance of her calling. Why'd she write the song? She said, I wanted to feel more connected to these people that walked before us and learned lessons that we're still learning. There's such a tendency to turn them into superheroes. <laughs> For me, it was all about the humanity. These were broken people who were desperate and needed God. They were just like us. I think that's something we could all sing, couldn't we? Jesus, be born in me. Maybe for some of you, it could be the very first time that you have expressed something like that to Jesus and truly meant it. Jesus, be born in me. Somehow I believe you chose me. When I was a child, I remember singing similar words, an old chorus, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And so I've asked our team to put Be Born in Me and that old chorus into my heart together and let this be our prayer. And if you want Jesus to be a greater Savior, a greater God, and a greater King for you personally, then sing this prayer with our team. If you prayed that prayer in song with us, and you meant it, then let us know. You got a program when you came in. You can check a box in that program because we'd love to get to know you. Put it in the offering basket a little later in the service. Because we want to help you make Jesus greater and greater in your life as your God, as your Savior, and as your King. You know, ever since the first Christmas, Jesus has been more than 
Just a name. But his name does point us to all that he is. He's our comfort in life. He's our comfort in death. He's our hope in a hopeless world. That's why over and over in the Bible you see things about the name of Jesus. No other name has been given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. But remember, the name of Jesus is not a magic wand. Chanting it is not going to give you special power. The power in the name is the person behind the name. And so we lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that An artist, Chris Tomlin, released his second Christmas album not too long ago. And one of the songs is called A Christmas Alleluia. And he said that at the end of a recording session in Nashville one evening, the core of this song was just birthed spontaneously. And that's why this song is one of his favorites. Because he feels like the song itself was a gift. The song says, the heavens roar, the angels sing, all glory to our God and King. And because all glory belongs to Jesus, we know that the wise men of old came with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we're going to worship Him now with our gifts, our tithes and offerings. Why? Because we want others that don't yet know Jesus as their Savior, God, and King to come to know Him as their Savior, God, and King so they can be set free from their sin and their fear and their grip. So would you stand and worship Christ, the Savior of the world?